0: good morning and welcome feels like a warm place of fellowship after that blast of icy wind on the way in i'm glad that nobody slipped on the ice so you're safe now warm and safe and i pray that it'll feel that way as we fellowship and worship together this morning let's pray father thank you for inviting us into this place into this moment into the fellowship that you offer us through your Son and by your Spirit. The death of your Son has opened the way into the Holy of Holies, and so we can be near your throne and in fellowship with you. We thank you that your Spirit reminds us of that. We welcome you, Holy Trinity, to Reveal yourself to us more this morning as we worship you. Amen. Let's sing unto the Lord.
1: and happy voices. God made the sky above, the stars, the sun, the oceans. Their goodness does
0: service with some announcements. I'll just tell you that quilting has begun again at the Summerfeld Church. That's Tuesday and Wednesday, starting at 9 a.m. Tomorrow, ladies' Bible study. Wednesday, prayer meeting at the church, and also youth and seniors' games night. So a little bit of a choice to make, perhaps, for uh, some of our Seniors, are they going to be at prayer meeting for half an hour and then go to the games night, or what are they going to do? There has to be a RSVP about the games night. Oh, it's at the church. I thought it was at uh, Dawson Bethany's, but it's not. It's at the church. Good. And my last announcement will be about December 5th. Outdoor Christmas event. No longer the indoor concert, but something more interesting, perhaps, Hayride and Caroling or something like that. Looking forward to it. All right. As we continue into the theme of this service, we'd like to read Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And after that, we're going to read from Psalm 19, and you as a congregation will have a part as well, and that'll be up on the screen once we get to verse 7. Kind of an echo for you to read. And I'll, I'll lead you in the congregational part as the rest of the team does their part. So Acts chapter 1, verse 8.
2: But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth.
0: So we're called to worship from Psalm 19.
2: The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no speech, no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet,
0: yet, yet their, their voice goes, goes out into, into all the, all the earth. Their, their words to the ends of the, the world.
3: world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun.
0: Giving joy to the heart.
2: The commands of the Lord are radiant.
0: Giving light to the eyes.
4: The fear of the Lord is pure.
2: The decrees of the Lord are firm.
0: And all of them are righteous.
2: They are more precious than gold. Than than
0: much much pure gold.
2: They are sweeter than than honey.
0: Than honey from the honeycomb
2: by them your Your servant servant is warned.
0: In keeping them, there is great reward. confession prayer god we acknowledge that you are precious and beautiful perfect and we recognize that we are not as david said in psalm 19 who can discern who can discern their own errors forgive my hidden faults keep your servant also from willful sins may they not rule over me Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
1: I've forgotten the words that you have spoken, promises that burned within my heart have now grown dim, with a doubting heart I follow the paths of earthly ways. Transgressions.
0: Songs of assurance. First, recognizing our bond with one another, but mostly with the Lord, and then hearing God's assurance to us as He says, I will come to you.
3: They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved.
5: Please join me in a blessing for the children before they go to Children's Church. Dear Lord, we pray a blessing on the children. May they come to know the deep love you have for them, May they be filled with your love, that they are able to share it with those around them. May they learn your story and how they are a part of that great story. We pray blessings on the leaders. Give them wisdom and guidance as they spend this time with the children. Amen. And all children ages 3 to 11 can go to Children's Church now. Please join me in prayer. God of every place, some of us see you today from the mountains of joy and confidence, mountains of gratitude and praise. Some of us seek you today from valleys of grief or doubt, valleys of loss or exhaustion. And in all places, there you are with us, nudging us onward. When we descend from the heights, show us your presence on the ground. When we rise from the depths, show us the light of your way meet us all on the path made by jesus lord you have invited us to bring before you our joys and our sorrows we bring before you those suffering from covid directly like pastor russell's family members his aunts and parents who are sick with it or indirectly through delayed surgeries and treatments or through broken relationships lord heal our land We pray for the people of BC as they begin the process of cleaning up and rebuilding after this disaster. And finally, we invite your presence at our upcoming congregational meeting. We pray for your wisdom and guidance as we make decisions together as your family. You, Lord, are the source of all hope and holiness. Bless each of us here that we may choose justice by your spirit, draw kindness from the well of your mercy And walk humbly in your path, O God. And Lord, I pray that you would bless Mr. Jansen as he brings your word to us. Amen.
6: Good morning. Well, thank you very much for inviting me to speak in McGregor EMC. For me, it feels a little bit like coming home. For Kathy, it feels more like coming home. And Joshua and the kids live here. Adrian and Sean are in Mexico, where we all should be. Uh, And so we have the privilege of looking after their kids for a week. So if we reach out for help to any of you, you might want to jump in. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, hope this morning, but in the title that I gave to uh, uh, to Russell, uh, I said let's call it if you ask God for a tree. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. <clears throat> I also want to reference a document that I saw in the Abbeydale. We, uh, we attend the Abbeydale Church in Calgary. A church that came out of there this week and then Menno pulled it off on his printer for me. It's about this new series that the EMC conference is putting out. Maybe that's the wrong word, but it's called Come and See. And it's a story of Jesus from birth to after the ascension to Pentecost. Uh, the story of Luke, essentially. So um, I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing to, uh, to do as a church, as individuals, to take Uh, a walk through the book of Luke over the next number of months and end up at Pentecost. But it also provided me an opportunity to talk already about Acts chapter 2, which is really the Pentecost chapter. Uh, So I'm very glad for that. About a month ago, Kathy and I were here and we listened with all of you to Cesar Garcia, head of Mennonite World Conference. He talked about the church as a kind of failed, hopeless institution, the fracturing and divisiveness. It poorly represents the prayer of Christ in John 17, where he said that being unified, being one, was the primary way by which the world would be able to tell that Jesus was ever here. He also talked about his own conversion experience during which he invited God, if God was there somewhere to become part of his life nothing dramatic happened he said except the next morning he felt different he had not come to God as a repentant sinner but as someone seriously wondering if God was if God existed at all i was curious for more of his story but that was pretty much it but it but what became clear throughout the q and a time and the sermon that followed is that Garcia has a deep love for this failed institution, for this church. He talks about Mennonite World Conference becoming more inclusive, that there be room for all the different shades of Mennonites. And in Alberta, we have 14 different kinds of Mennonites. I don't know how many you have in Manitoba, but I bet maybe just as many and that the church needs to be less about the rightness or the wrongness of our doctrines or beliefs and more about the gifts we, each of us, brings to the communion. And I like that word particularly. Being one, he said, doesn't mean we agree on everything, maybe not even about vaccines. It means we agree on how to accommodate each other around the table. In the end, I thought Garcia talked more about hope than he did about failure. So today, I wanted to talk about a similar theme. Ricardo Esquivia, as I mentioned earlier, once said, if you ask God for a tree, what will he give you? So I brought these uh, seeds up with me. So if you ask God for a tree, an apple tree, will he bring us a tree? Probably not. Ricardo Esquivia says he will bring you and now the seed is on the floor. He may bring just a seed. It's a quote included in the MCC 2021 peace package, which comes out of MCC Ontario, but is available to anyone across Canada every year. It's a long document, 53 pages long, but it has a lot of good material in it. Escavia has spent most of his life working for peace in Colombia through 60 years of, vi- of violence. Among local farmers and between guerrilla groups and government forces, he has worked. Years ago, he was in Alberta, and he said at one point, we Christians need to have so much hope that we can feel the shade of a tree that hasn't been planted yet. That's kind of a crazy statement, except it's the same thing as this. If we ask God for a tree, he probably will not give us a tree. He will give us a seed. So if we bring that level of patience and hope into our current divided and tension-filled realities, we will also surely be more patient and hopeful with each other. And that pretty much is the sermon for today. So if you want to go home now, you can, because that's pretty much what I wanted to say. But I'll keep going for a while because I have the time. It's November 21st, one week before the first Sunday of Advent, and it's already Christmas shopping and lights-up season. When you drive into McGregor, the lights are up first here, I think, because you don't see them in Calgary quite this quickly. So it's always inspiring to come to McGregor. It's lights-up season and planning time and all the joys and tensions and anxieties of the fall months. Fall is a busy time of special days here in Canada. First Labor Day, then the new Truth and Reconciliation Day, or for the Prime Minister, Tofino Day, Thanksgiving, Halloween, Remembrance Day, four Sundays of Advent starting next Sunday, two. two days, or if you're old colony, three days of Christmas, and then New Year's. It's hard to keep up, and Halloween and Christmas include shopping, and some of these days include a lot of eating, so it's a busy and for some of us, exhausting time. I recently learned that there's another day in there that you may already be familiar with, and it reminds me of what Garcia, the word that he used. It's World Communion Sunday. I didn't know about that until a few weeks ago. Kind of an important one. In fact, it might be the most important one. October 3rd this year, It happens the first Sunday of every Sunday, beginning in 1933 with the Presbyterians. It comes out of Jesus' prayer in John 17, where he asks that we may all be one, so that the world will know that Jesus was sent by the Father. It's a particularly poignant term, being one these days, as the Christian church seems so radically and politically divided, especially in North America. Essentially, That prayer of Jesus now comes to us as a reminder that when we are not one, which I think has nothing to do with agreeing with each other, but points instead to when we are harsh and unkind and forgiving and unsupportive of each other, despite the differences among us, then the world around us has a right to think that Jesus was never here. And that's a pretty serious assignment for us Christians world communion day might then be the most important of all the fall commemorations that we celebrate especially these days when in many churches there are masked and not masked and vaccinated and unvaccinated i have nieces and nephews and brothers and sisters-in-law who are not vaccinated families i know are experiencing tensions that a year ago would not have been so evident a pastor in southern alberta told me about a church that is splitting partly because of the influence of southern U.S. fundamentalism, but COVID disagreements seem to have brought it to a head. And now they've lost a pastor, other leaders, and many are attending a different church. Can we now, heading into Advent, families, communities, and churches find our way to being anywhere close to Jesus' call to being one? especially during Peace Month and Advent coming up so soon. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about all this tension, but also hope in the context of Acts chapter two. And my point is that it's not the big moment that brings hope among us, nor does COP26 in Scotland bring an end to climate change, though the activists clamor for it. It's all kinds of little seeds long before and long after I'm talking about a reasonable communion and hope in which people can thrive or at least live without unbearable tension. That's kind of a low bar for us, but it's often where we're at. So what does Acts chapter 2, really the chapter of Pentecost, have to do with John 17 and Remembrance Day and World Communion Day and hope? Well, quite a lot, I think. It's where it all kind of started with the Christian church. Whenever I read the story of how the early church started in Acts 2, it reads like a high drama movie, the kind of experience that if you heard about it or were there yourself, you would remember for a long time. People, followers of Jesus, and probably many others back then were not sure what to expect. They had just lost their leader. Were the Romans coming for them too? Should they just disperse and run? It was, for that group, a desperate time, maybe a bit like our COVID time, and then gathered in a room, tongues of fire, later speaking in languages they themselves didn't understand, but others did. It all must have made them nervous, like a sequel to the Tower of Babel story. A priest at the University of Saskatchewan, where I attended a very long time ago, was teaching us New Testament literature and the story of Acts came up. Someone asked him why we don't have dramatic events like that today. Surely we'd have more people following Jesus if we had more drama to catch their attention. His response was that God uses drama to get our attention now and then, but if he did that all the time, what would our relationship with God become? We would become wholly dependent on the dramatic smoke and mirrors and special effects, and then that's all it would be. If, when we wanted a tree, it just appeared fully grown, would we learn anything about who we are with each other, about time, about patience, caring, listening, suffering? We humans are built for the ordinary. We are social beings built to need each other, and special effects distract from who we really are, and God, I think, knows that. Even revival meetings, which used to be, a very, be very common in the prairies, and I attended many of them, are a kind of special effects thing. Altar calls can be a good thing, but they are sometimes also more about dazzle, more emotion than an encounter with God. And they can lead us to thinking that an encounter with God is always about and emotion and dazzle, about smoke and mirrors and burning bushes. Encounters with, with God are really far more like the experience of the little boy Samuel when the voice called him and he didn't know what to do and Eli the priest said, well, just say, here I am. It was a confusing little moment for little Samuel, but most of our encounters with God are a little bit like that. They're not that clear. They're a little bit confusing. And our job is to say, well, we are listening And so God finds us, and we find him. The dramatic story of the first part of Acts 2 changes by verse 47 as it was read. Although 3,000 people were added that one day when Peter speaks boldly to the curious people about the drama, many of them have just witnessed. It's a fiery sermon for sure, and it's true that the disciples did wonders and people were filled with awe. So there is that. But the writer, at the very end, talks about how the believers lived together. They had to pay the bills, go to work, get food, raise their children. Life always does eventually settle down. We get back to the basics of staying alive, cooking, eating, driving, having coffee, local politics, school, work, which I think is why Jesus said there is only one commandment that matters, and that is that we love one another because it's love that sustains us through all that ordinary living. That love may be sometimes dramatic, but mostly loving each other is pretty ordinary work. It's not dazzling. Our prime minister and other politicians and sometimes televangelists are tempted with dazzle and big promises, but that is not what this is all made of. At the end of Acts 2, it shows. They sold what they had, Which I'm thinking means that as they produced crops or gardens or caught fish and sold these products, they shared what they gained and made sure that no one was lacking for anything. They ate together, they praised God, and enjoyed the favor of all the people. All this reads like kind of an afterthought to the Acts 2 drama, but this is where the real stuff happened. Life settled back down, but there is now a new normal amongst them, a normal in which they had somehow decided to look after each other. And that is when the writer says that more people were added to their group daily. The United States, our always dependable neighbor, is coming apart literally at the seams of cultural, racial, religious, and political division. Our own national election was a little bit divisive. We have debt levels unheard of. In many provinces, we have large areas where many are not wanting to get vaccinated. Even some health workers are being threatened. It is to weep. But COVID has really upended a lot of what we once thought normal and reasonable living together. And then there is Afghanistan and Ethiopia and Haiti, and the floods in BC, and Kyle Rittenhouse, a young white man who goes free after killing two people in a demonstration that was largely peaceful in the United States. Wendy Croker, who teaches peace and conflict resolution at CMU said in an online class a few weeks ago that she got calls from five different pastors after Thanksgiving about the acute divisions of COVID, and they all said the same thing, Christmas needs to be better for us than Thanksgiving was. These are all huge problems, and we could easily despair over them all because, well, they just somehow feel like they don't get fixed. So what do we do now? Can we, like they did in Acts, settle back down and live together amidst the fears? It's a real question. In, it seems, almost every place in the world, including among us followers of Jesus, the same Jesus who prayed that we especially might be one. But if we look look at the ordinary happenings around us, there is lots of hope. I asked a friend in Alberta what I should say, and he said, tell them that perspective is important. Back away a little and be curious about each other, learn something about each other's stories. Whenever that happens, we give hope a chance. We took much, much too long in Canada, but in the last two years, average Canadians are talking about residential schools, a subject that I knew almost nothing about until a few years ago. How is that possible? But I was shocked in Calgary a couple of days before September 30th when we were supposed to put on the orange t-shirts and I had left it till the last minute. And I thought, oh, I'll find one. And I went to four different stores who all carried those shirts in Calgary and not one of them had a shirt left. That's on me except it gave me hope because it made me realize that even in Calgary, which is known across Canada a little bit as a redneck city, it isn't really, I'll argue with you about that, there were no orange t-shirts left. People had bought them. They had thought about this day. About 12 years ago, Kathy and I were in Kenya <clears throat> on an MCC learning tour, and we went to visit some sand dams. That's a dam. It's not sand. It's a cement dam that is pulled across a creek bed in the dry season so that in the wet season, the sand and the water accumulates behind the dam, and the sand is saturated. Sixty percent of it is water and then it's really filtered water and the people can take wa- scoop water out of little holes in the sand for months after that it's a marvelous invention so they we went there to watch four communities build a sand dam well we went there supposedly to help but we were really just in the way but they were very polite about it and they kept letting us do little things but they also had a tent off to the side where they said you must be tired maybe you should go and rest which was very polite of them. And so we would go and sit there, all 10 or 12 of us, and during one of our exemptions, a woman was sitting there and hosting us, and so one of our group asked her, so you are four communities who have never worked together, and building a sand dam is a complicated venture. There's engineering, and there's committee work, and there's cement, and it's all handwork. How do four communities get together who have not worked together and pull that off, he asked. And this woman didn't say, we have great engineers. They do have engineers. We have great committees. We organize and plan for months. They do all that, but she didn't say any of that. She said only one thing, because we have decided to love each other. What kind of a comment is that in the middle of building a sand dam? We have decided to love each other. Such an ordinary thing, but it's the key to everything. It's also the key to us deciding the ordinary. I read something on Facebook that some of you may also have read. An Arabic-speaking woman who didn't speak English was caught at gate A4 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. This is a month ago or so. And they put an announcement on that her flight had been delayed and she panicked. She had no idea because she didn't know what had happened and she needed to get to Houston where her son was. And so the people at the desk Got worried because this woman was crying and weeping and they didn't know how to communicate with her. And so on the PA system, they said, is there anybody here who speaks Arabic? And another woman heard that and she spoke some Arabic. So she went to gate A4 and found this woman weeping on the floor. And so she talked to her a little bit and discovered that she thought her flight had been canceled. It had just been postponed for four hours, not canceled. So she explained that to her. Well, then, how can I get a hold of my son who's waiting in Houston for me to ar- arrive while well, they could call him now that they knew what was going on? So she had the phone, and then they started talking a little bit, and it all subsided. And then this woman, this Arabic woman, was so grateful that she pulled out of her bag some powdered cookies. They had white powder all over them, and as she shared them with this woman who was helping her, the powder got on her clothes, and it was all a little much, except everyone was so grateful that eventually everyone in gate four got a cookie with white powder on it, and then the airlines pulled out the apple juice, and everybody got an apple juice, and no one minded the powder on their clothes, and that's the story of Acts chapter two at the end, where people just come out of the woodwork to help each other and look after each other and it ends up with apple juice and powdered cookies and a happy Arabic-speaking woman who can go on to Albuquerque, to Houston to see her son. A woman in a Mennonite church in Alberta, when they were deciding whether or not to wear masks, <clears throat> and there was a division amongst them said, I will wear a mask to keep our group together. And one more story, Daryl Heiderbeck, who used to work with MCC in Alberta, His wife works at the thrift store, the MCC thrift store in Calgary, and they sell puzzles. You sell them at the thrift store here as well. So somebody brought this puzzle, but it came out of the Netherlands, and it came out of the Second World War, and this woman who brought the puzzle over there said there is one piece missing except she went home because she was determined to find that one last piece yet. It mattered to her because the puzzle came out of her family, out of her history. It also mattered because she thought it would be better for MCC and for the buyer to have that missing piece, even though I'm told that actually it's fine to not have the missing piece because grandparents like to make that little missing piece with their grandchildren, I think. Is that true? And then it becomes a full puzzle anyway. Regardless, this woman thought it was so important, she went back home, found the missing piece, came all the way back to the MCC store just to deliver that one missing piece. When we go out of our way for each other, the ordinary matters. There is no magic formula for hope. Wendy Croker has worked in the Philippines. She once asked her peace students there to define peace. Not one of them said the same thing. It was different for all of them. One said, when my kids can eat. Another, when there are no bombs exploding. A third said, when I can walk to the market with my neighbor. As Wendy says, we all want to flourish inside our own story. And they're all often pretty ordinary wishes. It all began in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit sent a signal that he was present and is present. And then we were reminded that caring for each other, the ordinary work was really what everyone had wanted all along. It's what attracted people then, and it attracts us now. And during a season when it feels and looks like we are going out of our way to somehow abdicate what the church, the body of Christ, was all about, can we, this Advent season, as we jam and scramble our way into December and Christmas, remember how the church community began with ordinary caring And maybe we can, in some way, each of us be the missing puzzle piece that we bring to the table. Nothing is ever missing if we, each of us, shows up, whether that is with our families, our church people, our neighbors, or in some other circumstance, like the woman in the airport. That is the genius of the church. uh, The genius of the church and the Holy Spirit among us. It began a long time ago. As God came to live among us, it exploded in fireworks in the early part of Acts chapter 2. But it's really about this one thing, a call for each of us to decide to care about each other. The forests of trees will come out of the seed of that ordinary caring. Thank you very much. Very good to be in McGregor. God bless all of you.
0: Thank you, Abe. Same to you. It's good, good to be reminded to love one another. In response, we're going to sing hymn number 285, In Christ There Is No East or West, a song of unity. And verse 2, we invite the female voices to sing, and verse 3, the male voices.
5: This morning comes from Romans 15 verse 13 may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit go now to love and serve the Lord